Welcome to the Self-Subscribed Podcast. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Self-Subscribed. I'm your host, Amy, and I so appreciate you being here with me. Do remember, I'm not a professional, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not somebody who is qualified to give you good advice. I just regurgitate the things that I've learned (laughs) through all my experiences and share them with you in hopes that they resonate. So... Being that it is so close to Father's Day, I thought we would talk a little bit about parenting and fathers in particular, Um, which of course, obviously I'm not, so I can only give you my experiences as a daughter, but, you know, as parents, like, this shit is hard. This shit is straight up difficult. Um, I have never been... A parent before to two children. So every day is a new adventure. And I hope that my kids realize this. Um, and I do tell them, guys, I've never been a mom before. I'm doing the best that I can. And I appreciate a little bit of grace coming from you. But um, I will rewind. And I'll tell you a little bit about my childhood, um, some experiences that I had recently, and kind of how that all ties into today. So I grew up uh, in the Midwest. I was one of three girls. I'm the oldest. My sisters are a year younger than me, and they are twins. Um... My parents are still married. They still live in the same house that I grew up in. Uh, Really old, probably over 200 years old farmhouse in Wisconsin. It's made of brick. There was no insulation. Um, We lived on a farm. We did farm stuff. Uh, My sisters and I were homeschooled our entire lives. So if you guys were like, wow, this girl is weird as fuck. Now you know why. (laughs) It's because uh, I have no public education, but uh, street smarts, super good at those. But uh, so my sisters and I grew up homeschooled. We grew up really uh, religious. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, on Wednesdays. We went to Awana Club. Some of you will be familiar Uh, We just spent a lot of time in church. My dad was a deacon and an elder in the church. Um, I I know my mom was involved in like Sunday school to some extent. It seemed like she was always in all the classes that my sisters and I were in, but always uh, very involved in the church. Um, I cannot remember hardly any Sundays that we ever skipped church because that's just what we did. 
uh, my mom would make us dresses for Easter and maybe Christmas. Easter, I remember for sure. We had these Daisy Kingdom dresses with the big puffy sleeves and the poofy skirts and like the bib fronts. I don't know what you call those. Um, and we would wear hats and little gloves. And my mom made these dresses like she had a pattern for them, but she made them. And um, I don't know, we just came to expect it, I guess. We were kids were ungrateful, right? So anyway, so we grew up on this this farm and um, because we're homeschooled, we have ample time to do chores. So my dad taught us to split firewood and we would paint and we would, of course, garden. My mom had a massive garden and we would be pulling weeds and we had berries to pick. Uh, we had, I mean, anything farm related you can think of, we did it other than the actual farming. My grandfather owned the farm and by the time I was old enough to really do anything, um, he retired and then leased the land out. So we were still kind of in that lifestyle without having to actually do all that work. So my sisters and I, um, being around each other all the time, everything was a competition, including fighting for our parents' attention. And as a child, this may come as a surprise to you, I was so shy. I would not talk to anyone, even if being spoken to, I would not talk to anyone. Um, I was terrified of speaking and my sisters were both pretty shy, but they had each other, they were twins. Like they had this weird twin bond that I think only twins can understand. And I was sort of the outcast. Um, I was the oldest, but I was the smallest. I was taller than everyone, but I was very thin. And my sisters were bigger than me. They would beat up on me. Uh, not to say that I didn't fight back, obviously, but two against one is never a fair fight. So my grandparents lived next door. Um, and by next door, I mean they lived like maybe half a mile down the road. Um, and so we saw them quite a bit, and they always wanted our help in chores as well. And my grandparents owned a few rental properties, and so I can remember as a kid my grandpa teaching us how to caulk the bathroom and change out a ceiling fan and, of course, paint. There was always painting to do and um, redoing the flooring. And I, if you rent a property, I'm just going to say right now, don't be a piece of shit. Will you please take care of that? Because there are people on the back end that have to clean up after you when you leave. And <laughs> me being that person, some of y'all are slobs. Don't be that person. Clean up after yourself when you move out. Um, if you break things, just tell the landlord. I don't want to have to find out about it when I go in to paint the room. And I found out that you smashed all the windows. So, you know, just weird shit. But... Um, I can remember going with my grandpa as a kid, you know, maybe 10, 11 years old, cleaning the gutters out on the rental properties. I mean, 
he was not afraid to put us to work. And nowadays, maybe that's frowned upon, but it taught me values and it gave me a great sense of work ethic. And I can say undeniably that my grandfather was the hardest working man I ever knew. Um, With my mom being second place, his daughter, because she, granted, has kind of a martyr complex, but my mom will work herself to death. If there's something to do, she's going to do it. Make hay while the sun shines. She has a serious problem relaxing and sitting still and somehow managed to instill that in me. So, (laughs) So there's that. But as a child, I remember my dad, there was a time in our lives when I was really little and my dad was working three jobs and all I wanted was my dad's attention. I wanted him to pay attention to me and to acknowledge me and be proud of me and tell me that I did something right. And instead of coming home and being tired and worn down and didn't really want to be around the kids, you know, and being kind of the outcast, I wanted so badly to make my dad proud. I wanted to impress him. I wanted to show him that I had skills. I could do what it took. Uh, my dad was into firearms. He liked to go out and target shoot and, and practice. And um, because we were on the farm, he could do that. And I, I always begged him, let me come with you. Let me shoot. Teach me how. Let me have a gun. And did I love it? No, I didn't love it. It was loud and I didn't really want to be there. But it was something that was important to my dad. And so it became important to me. And one Christmas, I think I was maybe 11 or 12. I was pretty old. Um, He gave me, slash my sisters, a BB gun for Christmas. And I spent hours in our basement practicing because I wanted him to come home from work and I wanted to show him the target and be like, look how good I got. Look at me. Look at how good I can be. Aren't you proud? And I always felt like I just didn't quite hit the mark. I hit that bullseye right in the middle hundreds of times, thousands of times. And he would say, that's really good. What can you do next time? I mean, I can't get it any more in the middle. How about you start throwing clays? I mean, do give me a challenge. I just didn't know how to make him happy. Whereas when I hung out with my grandpa, I felt like I did make him happy, except when I was being a total shit, um, which I'm angry about in my teenage years when I acted like I was too cool to go help in the rental properties. Um, but we all have regrets. I'm telling you now, people who are younger, spend the time with those people that you love because it does come to an end and you don't ever want to regret it. So with that being said, um, my grandpa made me feel important. He would tell me stories about his childhood. He would show me you know, how to do things. He would tell me about farming. When he was a boy, they farmed with horses. He would tell me about his time in the war. And I felt like I mattered. 
when I was around him. It made me feel important. And I don't know if my dad was just always so tired and so beat down. I don't know. I just never quite felt like I made him proud. I don't ever feel like I made my mom proud. So, moving forward into my teenage years, I am starved for attention. So I turned to boys. Boys gave me attention. They made me feel wanted for a very short time. And I could not stand being around them for more than a couple days because I was afraid that at some point I was going to let them down and I wasn't going to be good enough anymore. And so it was better to be short-lived and I tossed them aside because I couldn't stand to be hurt. Moving forward, a couple weeks ago, I went to a healer and I will be honest with you, I was not sure about this. It seemed to me to be kind of, I don't want to say out there, but when you think of a healer, you think of like voodoo dolls, you know, kind of like, I I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, Um, but it wasn't anything that I thought it was going to be. She had me lie on this table. Now, granted, this was a gift from a friend, one of my very, very, Best, sweetest friend said, I've been going to this healer. I think it would benefit you. You just need to go. I paid for it. There you go. So that's how I went. Um, So I go into this room and it's not dark. It's not bright either. Um, There was kind of a, like a spa type table in the middle. Um, just some paintings on the walls, like some knickknacks, some plants, like a rug, a fuzzy rug, a thing on hanging on the wall, like a tapestry. Nothing like out of the ordinary. So I lay on this bed and um, she said, we're going to do breathing exercises. I said, okay. And she goes, what do you hope to get out of this? And I said... I don't know. I, I'm sure I have something going on, but I don't know. I don't know what it is that I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, I, I, you know, I gave her kind of a brief overview of my life for the last couple of years. And I said, you know, there's a lot of things on my head and my heart, but truly I do not know what I want to get out of this experience. I don't know what to expect. So I can't tell you what I want as a result. So she said, we're going to do some breathing exercises. Breathe in, breathe out. And now when you exhale, normally you pause right before you inhale. So we eliminated that and it's called round breathing. So you inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, and you breathe deeply as you do this. And when you're breathing like this, this round breathing, you're over-oxygenating your brain. And by over-oxygenating your brain, it makes your brain kind of stop thinking. So then when she's talking to you, you're going to say the first thing that pops into your head. So 
as I'm breathing, she places her fingers on my center, on my heart chakra, and doesn't push down hard, just enough pressure, like I know that she's there, and kind of does like this little circular motion. If you don't know where that chakra is, it's kind of like right in the middle of your chest, I would say, not all the way between your breasts, like a little bit higher. And she just kind of made this motion, and I'm laying there with my eyes closed and breathing. And she starts talking to me, and she said, what do you feel? And I said, I, I feel good. You know, I felt fine at that point. I felt whatever. Um, and truly, like, there, there's parts of it I just don't remember but the more I was breathing, I kind of fell into this trance. And I did. I just said, like, whatever was right there on my brain, I didn't have to think about it. And we talked about um, how I felt and how I felt around other people. And how I felt in situations. And I started to tell her that I felt alone. And I felt unworthy. And I felt like I wasn't good enough. And it, she dove me down all the way to when I was eight years old. And I could see myself. And I could remember like this exact moment in time sitting under this tree in the backyard at my parents' house and there was a tire swing hanging there. And it was kind of in their backyard. Um, my parents had a screened-in porch back there and there was this big, I don't know if it was an oak tree, um, but there was like a maple behind it and then this huge lilac bush and my mom had yellow roses back there. And I'm sitting there under this tree next to the tire swing, totally rejected. My sisters didn't want to play with me. My mom was busy. And I felt utterly alone. And I could just pinpoint that exact moment of when my tears started to fall. And I felt so unwanted. And I remember my dad coming home that night and I tried to like be cute and funny and show off. And he's like, are you kidding me right now? And just shut it down. And I felt so small. And that feeling of not being good enough carried all the way through my marriage where I kept trying to be something that I wasn't because I was trying to appease someone else or what I thought they wanted. And when it turns out, my entire relationship was a lie. And for the whole 12 years, I was so alone. I was absolutely starved for attention. And when kids are starved for attention or adults are starved for attention. You look for attention in the wrong places. Negative attention is better than nothing at all. 
And so when my ex would say hurtful things to me or he would make me feel horrible, he was still talking to me and I let it happen. And on that table at that healer's, I just started crying. And my whole body felt like it was on pins and needles. It felt like people were pushing down on my legs, like they were pushing down on my stomach. My face felt numb. My hands were clenched. And I just laid there trying so hard to just sob. But the tears were just streaming down the corners of my face. And she sat there and just spoke to me and said, what do you see? And I said, a wall. And I've kept everyone out. And she said, what does the wall look like? And I could describe it in detail. And she said, instead of trying to break down that wall, why don't you rise up and get over it? And go out and be with people and be okay in relationships. And that to me was like a light bulb going on because I kept trying to break down these walls. All I saw between myself and anyone else was just a barrier. And I didn't know how to break it down but you don't have to break your barriers. Your walls were built to protect you. It's your choice to climb over them and to conquer those barriers that you've built, to shed that armor that is protecting you. And I think that if we can't shed that armor, if we can't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we're not truly experiencing joy in our lives. We're not truly letting ourselves feel because we're not getting too happy. We're not getting too sad. We're kind of staying in this middle ground of emotion. And the world around us is full of emotion. And the one thing that I've always said is that at the end of your life, what are you going to think about? And those are your relationships with people. So to get over those walls, to let this armor go, to feel vulnerable, is something that we need to fully experience joy in our lives. When you're open and you're honest with people and you're open and you're honest with yourself is when you can really experience that true happiness. And so laying on this bed feeling all these feelings. Um, there were so many other things that were said and done. I, I can't remember them, but it was just so overwhelming. And I felt this release and, and making this connection of being alone as a child, alone in my teenage years, my later, you know, my early 20s, um, and through my marriage, and I finally said, I'm done. I'm not going to feel this way anymore. 
regardless of how my parents felt about me or feel about me. I'm never going to be their little religious princess. I'm always going to be the black sheep. I'm always going to see the world through a different lens. I'm always going to wake up early and experience that sunrise. I'm always going to listen to the birds and try and think of what kind they are. I'm always going to smell the wind. I'm always going to watch the grass blowing. I'm always going to watch the river running by and I'm always going to be who I am. I'm not going to work myself to death and come home at the end of the day to ignore my kids. My parents, I know, did what they thought was best for us. They thought that keeping us at home and keeping us sheltered and keeping us working was good. And without it, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I owe them that. And I'm thankful for it. But at the same time, it helped create someone who was so unsure and so scared and had so little confidence. I want my kids to know all the time that they're amazing, that I think that they are the greatest thing. And every day is a lot and I'm going to fail. It's not going to happen every day. It's just not. There are days I cuss at my kids and I'm going, what am I doing wrong that this is not getting through your head? I don't know, but we're all learning together. My grandpa died quite a few years ago now. And I'll never, never forget the last conversation I had with him. I was farming at that time. I had started my own farm. Um, my husband was working, doing his own thing. He traveled, and I had started this farm on 26 acres. And I had hogs and chickens and goats, and I had rented out a section and put cattle on it. I had a garden, I had an orchard. I had a six-month-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old child that uh, did not help. <laughs> but the last conversation I had with my grandpa was me telling him how I was making my own feed for the pigs. How I had ordered all this grain and I was fermenting it and I had gone to this goat dairy and gotten goat's milk to feed the pigs. And I said, they were so shiny. They looked great. They were really fattening up. I had all these pigs out on three acres and they just ran around and ate grass and just lived their best pig lives. And he told me he was so proud of me. And he told me all about when he had pigs. And all the things he did, and, and we were comparing stories. But he was genuinely proud of me. I had done something that was worthy and of value. And even if I didn't, I knew damn well he was going to be proud. 
Do I think that my parents are proud of me? I don't know. I think so. But I don't know. They don't know this exists. God, I would be horrified. Oh, and that's, I could not tell them no. I know they're proud of my kids. They're only grandchildren. They spoil them to death and they're good grandparents. And that's what matters. Is although they never said it to me, I know they love me. I know they do. My dad had a stroke about a year ago. He's diabetic and he had a stroke and ended up losing some of the vision in his left eye. And I remember when I got that call from my sister, I was devastated because I thought of all the times I had an opportunity to tell my dad that I loved him and I didn't do it. And so little girls, sometimes dads, I don't think know how to say it. Maybe they're not good at their words. Maybe they're better at their actions. My dad didn't have to take the time to teach me how to shoot. He really didn't get that much time into himself when he did it. My dad did not have to take the time to show me how to split wood because I never did it. I just got to carry it into the house and stack it. My dad didn't have to take us camping every year because I know he had other things to do. And it was a pain in the ass driving around the country in a station wagon pulling a pop-up camper. My dad didn't have to work three jobs to support us. There's a lot of things that he didn't have to do. And he did it anyway because he wanted us to have a good life. It was more than just paying the bills and getting by, even though that's what it seemed like to me at the time. Sometimes people's languages and the way that they speak are not always the same ones that you speak. And sometimes love gets lost in translation. When you're in a relationship with somebody and you're trying to communicate your feelings to them, make sure they speak the same language you do. Or at least figure out how to translate it correctly. Because when it comes to matters of the heart, you want someone to know how you feel genuinely and wholly. For me, I just say what I'm thinking. There's not much that I have to hide. I'm not good at emotions. I'm not good at feelings. And I'm not good at sometimes showing the things that I feel. I'm not good at the actions part. And quite frankly, sometimes I'm not even good at the words part. But if there's something in my head and I know how to articulate that, 
I would love to say it. And I try my best. And maybe that's not how my dad hears it. That's how my grandpa heard it. That's why he and I were close. That's how my grandma heard it. That's why she and I were close. We spoke a lot of the same languages. We loved a lot of the same things. I was cut from a different cloth, for sure. And I'm not the product that my parents thought that I should have been. But I am who I am. And there are times I struggle so much with my own daughter because her and I don't speak the same language. And it's really hard to communicate to her. She's nine going on 19. And I'll tell you what, that little girl has got a sassy ass attitude. And I don't want to smother it. I want to cultivate that. I want to help her learn how to shape that and to grow it. And believe me, I'm not tooting my own horn here. This is what I've learned from my experiences. So little girls, I see you out there holding on to your dad's pinky, twirling around and dancing. I see you. I see you laughing, trying to get his attention trying to prove to him that you're just as badass as the boys. And your dad sees you. I know he saw me. As hard as it is some days, I know he saw me. And I know he sees me now. And I will never stop loving him. Because he's my dad. In all the times and all the places that I've really found myself in a bad spot, he's been there. Even if he's been thousands of miles away. Even if he tells me that was really fucking stupid. Amy, you're a dumbass. It comes all right out in the end. Right? Everything comes out in the wash. We can all complain about our childhoods. We can all find things to complain or compare or say that we have childhood trauma. But we all just had a childhood. And who are we now because of it? I'm, I'm somebody who won't take shit from anyone. Not ever again. I am someone who knows how to work hard. I know the value behind that sweat. And I'm going to teach my kids the same thing. I know what matters in life. I know that taking those camping trips, even though it's a pain in the ass, and your kids are fighting in the back seat, 
it's still fun. Sometimes those memories make it all worthwhile. And we always say, well, shit, we'll look back and laugh on this. And we do. Those are the stories we remember. It's not the things that went perfect. It's always the things that went wrong. So I can blame my parents for a lot. I can blame my dad for not saying that he loved me. But why point fingers when I can take all of that information, wrap it up with a bow, and learn from it? I can be a better parent because of what I know. Guys, I thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. I hope that this little bit of vulnerability meant something to you. It was not easy for me to get out. But go out there. Be brave. Be bold. I'll talk to you next time.